He's not calling her later. No, he has to go change his pants. Um, so the peeper walks upstairs. <laughs> that was a slow roller. Welcome to Franchise Frights Podcast. Hi, Mandy. Hi, Cam. We are going to discuss, I, I think it's our mutual favorite horror film today. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the favorite. Yeah. And that is 1978's Halloween. First off, though, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to um, our friend Molly, who designed our logo and we think the logo is pretty damn rad. Yay, Molly! And she did a bang-up job on it. And if you would like to follow her and perhaps contact her about doing some graphic design work for you... She does other art, too, not just graphic design. Well, yeah. Sh- yeah. yeah. If you need art... art. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in need of art, um, you can find her on Instagram at Aunt Molly's Magic. And that is all one word, and there are no spaces or spaces things or special characters. And it's Molly with a Y. Yes, M O L L Y. Yeah, so go look up Molly. She's awesome. Since we are recording this so far out, this is normally the part where we would have a little bit of horror movie news, but. We're recording like seven weeks ahead of time. I did just see a preview for The Nun 2 upstairs. Oh, yeah. That looks... Yeah. It looked spooky. It looked spooky, but the first one looked spooky, too. That's true. And it was not good. <laughs> um, The trailer for Exorcist Believer, Believer is out, and it looks... That looks horrible. Wildly mediocre. That's, I'll go see it. Oh, that's a streaming. No, I'll go see it. Okay. I have to. It's a horror movie in the theater. All right. You enjoy that by yourself. Um, we just watched The Pope's Exorcist uh. last weekend. And Would you like to share <laughs> what your overall opinion of the movie was? It was just bad. <laughs> I liked what you said when we were about halfway through and you were like, so this is like the Sharknado of Exorcist films. I forgot I said that. But yes, that, that describes it very well. Yeah. It was very over the top. Yeah. And too theatrical? Uh, too theatrical, too over the top. And like it seemed very tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like they were like, uh, oh, ha ha, it's an exorcism film. Yeah. Yeah, not I, good. I expected more out of Russell Crowe. I did too. I'm disappointed. Other than that, I don't think we have much news. I'm steaming on through my countdown to Halloween horror movie watching. Mm hmm. Which begins on May 1st. And in our time, it's officially a Burr month. 
like September, October, November, (laughs) December. It's a burr month. I couldn't figure out if you're talking about the kind of burr I like to drink. burr. Or if it's cold. You're obviously not a basic bitch, so. No, I'm not. Okay. I don't want any PSL. (laughs) I don't want PSL either. I just want fall and sweaters and scary, spooky. There was an excellent moon last night that got us in the scary, spooky mood. It was great. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we can start talking about Halloween. We can jump right into it. Yes. So, Halloween, the original, was released on October 25th, 1978 by Compass International Pictures. It was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, mostly Deborah Hill. Um, Directed by John Carpenter, produced by Deborah Hill. It stars Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, PJ Souls, and Nancy Loomis. And several different people as The Shape. Ooh. For people that don't know, because everybody just knows him as Michael Myers. Yeah. But technically, he is The Shape. Yes, he's only Michael Myers when you see him as the six-year-old boy and when he's unmasked. The rest of the time, he is The Shape. Ooh. That sounds spooky. Running time is approximately... Excuse me. Approximately 91 minutes. The budget was around $300,000, but the box office take was over $70 million. So if you put that in today's facts and figures, that would be like a $1.4 million budget, which I don't think you can make a movie for anymore. No. And the box office take was $328 million. So it did all right. I think it was one of the most successful, like, small films ever. Yeah. Until, I think it was Pulp Fiction. Maybe. That knocked it off. Um, I also don't know if you had that in your notes, but it was shot in 20 days. Yes. That's nothing. No, not at all. And the script was written in 10 days. Yeah. Which is nuts. It is. Yeah. Um, So what were your initial impressions of the film before you watched it critically? So obviously we already stated this is one of our favorite movies. Watching it critically might have ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot to it, be discussed. It, there, yeah. Um, once you watch it through the eyes of a critic, um, you see a lot more flaws. The acting's not as good as what I initially thought it was. No, and Nancy Loomis that plays Annie, uh-huh. is, she's not great. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis isn't all that great either. I can't say that. Okay. I know. It hurts. I can't do it. I hurt. It. She's the scream queen. It hurts. She's, but... she's my movie everything. Yeah. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this received a 96% from critics and an 89% audience score, which I would have thought you could flip flop those. I would have thought so too. Um, IMDb gives it a 7.7 out of 10, which for a horror movie, especially a slasher, is ridiculously high. I was going to say that might as well be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. The critical impression of this movie when it first came out, um, a lot of people were like, oh, it's fresh, it's new, but it's nothing special. A lot of people referred to it as overly violent and gory, even Um, though it it was not violent or gory. That's I, I had a hard time finding... Like actual reviews? Reviews, that's the word I was looking for. Um, from Actually from like 1978. The only people I could really find were Siskel and Ebert. Oh, and, and Ebert hated it. Or no, he, it was Siskel. No, they both enjoyed it from what I understood. I have the... I read through Ebert's and he described Halloween as a visceral experience. Oh. And he had high rankings for it. What I remember hearing... 
from his review was that he uh, he said that the movie revi- er, relied too much on schlock and gore to Ooh. be effective. Um, and then Siskel also said that it was definitely a movie you wanted to see in a crowd, that it was an audience picture. Oh, yeah. Which makes sense because it's definitely a movie you want to watch with people. Yeah. And slashers are always that way. Yeah. Um, but then I also read a um, little side bit that um, Siskel went to see it in the theater multiple times and he would take a cab back to his apartment. His apartment was two blocks away from the movie theater. <laughs> that. I can't imagine seeing this movie in 1978. Yeah. Nothing like that had been done. No. You had slasher stuff and you had suspense thriller movies, but nobody ever like married the two Mm -hmm. the way that Carpenter and Hill did. If you heard paper shuffling, I'm sorry. We'll come up with a better system eventually. (laughs) But we have a very tiny desk. Yeah. Okay. So the plot rundown. First off, you start with one of the most fantastic title screen intro things ever. You have you have the jack o' lantern. You have the theme playing. Yes, but I in my notes I put that it takes forever. The opening credits are so long. Yeah, but imagine seeing that in a theater. Yeah, it would work you up. Like it's just building and building, and you have that score going the whole time. Yeah, and I also had to comment on the um crappy pumpkin carving oh yeah it was really bad it was really bad the only thing i would give it points for is the knife or the nose kind of looks like a knife yes it does and i love that Th- that's about it and if somebody says jack-o'-lantern that's the jack-o'-lantern i picture in my head oh really yeah and i also read that it was um carved by one of the guys that played the shape oh really yeah i don't remember which one he had a long name tommy lee wallace that one yep he was he was a jack of all trades. Yeah. He was the film editor. Um, I think he was listed as art department, like associate producer. Yeah. Well, he's the one who carved the crappy jack-o'-lantern. He was the bass player in John Carpenter and Nick Castle's band. Oh, really? Yeah. They had a band. Oh. Okay. So the movie opens in the fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween night in 1963. We see someone peeping through the windows at a young couple who are making out on the couch. Then they head upstairs to Shag. Yes, and I wrote Shag in my notes. But she does mention that her, she says Michael's around. She doesn't say her brother, but she does say Michael's around. And she looks around like he's going to be standing in the corner of the living room. Yeah. Just like standing there watching him. Well, he kind of is. Well. Yeah. She's not doing a very good job babysitting. No, she sucks. Yeah. So they go upstairs. The peeper through the window enters the house and immediately grabs a butcher knife out of the drawer. And it's funny because you see the hand and it's a very little hand. Yes. But that was Deborah Hill. I know. I saw that too. So the boy leaves after a very, very short lovemaking session. I put, wow, was he fast. I actually timed it. You did? From the time they hit the bottom step to the time you hear him say, oh, I gotta go. And he's walking down the stairs, putting his shirt on. It is one minute and 19 <laughs> seconds. That wasn't even enough time to like, get undressed. I know. You figured they had to go up, what, probably 18 steps? Yeah. And we see later that she shed all of her clothes in the hallway. Yeah. And then they had to get into the bed. Well, maybe they didn't get into the bed. Well, I don't think he made it. I think he didn't even cross the <laughs> threshold of the door. 
<laughs> he just saw her naked and was done. He was like, uh-oh, boob. Oh, well. Was that too far with the sound effect? Yeah, that was too far. Yeah. Let's not do that again. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he bids her goodbye while he's putting his shirt on, and he seems like, I just had my conquest. But he also seems, like, annoyed that she says, call me later. Yeah, because he's going out. He's not calling her later. No, he has to go change his pants. Um, so the peeper walks upstairs. <laughs> that was a slow roller. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be busy the rest of the night yeah. changing his pants. So the peeper walks upstairs and finds the mask on the floor and decides to put the mask on. And then he walks into the room and stabs the semi-nude girl who is brushing her hair. Stabs her a lot. It, but is he stabbing her in the thighs? I don't know. Because at first you get a chest because they have to show boobs. So you see a little well, yeah. bit of chest. But then it looks like the knife's going down and he's stabbing either her thighs or maybe in the stomach or other intimate areas. Yeah. But then when she lands on the carpet, her her underwear are perfectly intact. That, yeah. Yeah. So then we get bloody boobies and then the killer walks down the stairs and outside where we see the parents pull up <laughs> and the dad sees well both parents see this child standing there holding a bloody knife looking completely dissociated from reality they peel his mask off and the dad just goes michael and then the mom looks really annoyed. She looks like she can't even. She's like, like, oh my God, did you just stab your fucking sister again? And it's like a really, really long panning shot that yeah. takes forever. And she just looks annoyed as hell. At one point, she even puts her hands in her pockets all like, I'm exasperated. Yeah. I am. I just can't believe it. <laughs> you take after your father. So then we cut to Loomis and... A nurse driving in a car on a spooky Halloween Eve. It's raining. There's lightning. And we see that they are going to somewhere called the Smith's Grove Sanatorium. And it is now October 30th, 1978. Yes. So we fast forward 15 years. Loomis explains to the nurse that Michael is pure evil and needs to be sedated with Thorazine when they go in front of the judge. And then Michael or Loomis refers to Michael as it instead of him, which he gets called out for. And we see that um, the nurse is smoking a lot of cigarettes. It was the 70s. Yeah. But she has a matchbook from the Rabbit in Red Lounge, which you can actually, I don't know if you still can, but you used to be able to buy those matchbooks. Oh, really? On HalloweenMovies.com. That'd be cool. So as they go down the driveway and Loomis is given all the instructions for the care and feeding of Michael, we see that the patients are just wandering around in the yard in the rain. And I think this is probably one of the creepiest scenes in movie history. I don't know why. It's just like unnerving. Well, and it's very visceral because she's like, since when do they just let them wander around? Yes. And Loomis is like, okay, pull up to the gate. Shit's going down. Well, and it's like driving rain. They're walking around in white hospital gowns, so they almost look like ghosts yeah they're like ethereal yeah it's just it's creepy yeah like you can feel the tension of the scene loomis gets out of the car to go up to i I assume it's like the guard shack yeah the gate and we see somebody jump on the roof of the car and he really jumps he leaps and there's a scary noise he pulls like a lion king and it's all like (laughs) 
<laughs> you didn't know you were going to get some ASMR on yeah. here. The psycho on top of the car is, it sounds like he's running back and forth. Yeah. Which is weird. Maybe he's just pounding. Yeah. So what does the nurse do? She decides to roll the window down and try to look on the roof, which I think that's probably like, if you're making an A to D list, that's probably D on what you should do. That's probably Z on what you should do. Yeah. So she rolls the window down. And of course, the psycho on the roof sticks his hand through the car window and starts petting her face. I think he's more trying to grab her. Yeah, it looks like he's petting her. But he's wet. Yeah. He's so wet. And stop it, you're gross. (laughs) And she's covered in smoke, so she's probably slimy. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's got that that tar all over her. Yeah. So the nurse just decides to go all out. She slams the gas. She's driving all crazy on the driveway. And then she eventually crashes into a shallow ditch, I guess. Yeah. Wait, was that before or after? Oh, oh, I, I forgot to bring up. Um, after the face grabbing, there is a hand smashing the window oh, on the passenger side. I thought side. that came after. That's my bad. You can actually see the wrench that they used to break the window taped to the hand of the person who broke the window. Yeah. Which I assume was Nick Castle. Probably. So, it's just a fun little goof. Yeah. And it was one of those things that I noticed when I was like 12, and I'm like, hey, there's a wrench there. Yeah. So then this loony jumps down off the roof, gets into the car, drives away, and Loomis gets super melodramatic for the first time and says, he's gone. The evil is gone from here. (laughs) I love Loomis. (laughs) Did you also know that Michael is one of the few slasher killers to drive a car? I never thought about it before, but... None of them do. No. Michael's one of the few. Wow, go like, Michael. Like, if not only. Uh, Chucky drives a car at one point. Okay. Chucky rules, but he has to have Tiffany work the pedals for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael drives it by himself. Okay, so where were we at? Now we cut to Haddonfield. Oh, yes, Haddonfield on... On Halloween. Halloween. Still 1978. Yes, we did not fast forward only but today. So um, we meet Laurie Strode. I put here that they have the score playing through this whole part, and it's very... The score is unnerving anyway. Yeah. It it just makes you feel creepy. And then there's long panning shots, like you're just waiting for somebody to jump out, Mm -hmm. and it's just setting up that tension and that suspense. Well, it just makes you feel like the evil can be anywhere. And like especially that this is like bright daylight, and like you said, those long panning shots where you're just waiting for something to happen. So Lori's dad says, hey, don't forget to drop the key off at the Myers place. And yep. he's a really bad actor. Uh, yeah, Lori's dad's not a great actor. He was probably just another one of their friends that they were like, here, put on a suit uh-huh. and pretend you're a dad. <laughs> so then Lori's walking to the Myers house, which we know was the site of the murder. And she meets up with Tommy Doyle. Who's probably the most annoying kid on earth. Yes. Um, I have written here. He asks why about 837 times. Um, they plan out their night. They're going to carve a jack-o'-lantern. They're going to make popcorn. She's going to read to him. That's like... That's oh, a and they're going to watch a movie. Yes. That's a busy night. That's a lot to do. They got a lot going on. So uh, Tommy says you shouldn't go to the Myers house because Lonnie Elam told him that it's a spook house. Um, but Lori goes ahead and goes up, puts the key under the mat, 
and Michael sees her. Well, the shape yeah. sees her. And we hear him breathing. He's all... <sighs> yeah. And it's intense. Yeah. I remember seeing this movie for the first time and I was like, oh, oh no, he's there. He set his eyes on her. Yes. And then they go outside and Tommy and Lori part ways. But the shape is like, hey, who's that girl that was on my front doorstep? I didn't know they delivered girls to front doorsteps. <laughs> so he goes out and he's staring at her and she's just walking away singing. We get the iconic shot over Michael's shoulder. Yes. Watching her walk away. Which um, some, there were some uh, critics that didn't like the over the shoulder shot. What? And also the through the mask shot. What? Because they said putting someone in the killer's POV is going to make people psychotic. Oh, maybe that's what's wrong with the world. Maybe. John Carpenter ruined us all. <laughs> we cut to Loomis back at the asylum. Yes, uh, Loomis, uh, I, I lost where I'm at. You take over He for a is angry about Michael being able to escape, and he's giving- oh, yeah. He's dressing down like the head of the hospital, and he's like, I told you how dangerous he was, and they only put up one roadblock? I think so. Nobody's worried about it except Loomis. Yeah, and Loomis is like, hey, I know where he's going. He's going to go to Haddonfield, and then- <laughs> The uh, the head of the hospital is like, for God's sakes, he can't even drive a car. And Loomis says. He was doing a pretty good job of it last night. Is that He was doing very well last night. <laughs> Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. I was close. Which I, I love that line because it's like Loomis being like, you guys suck. Yeah. Did you also notice that Loomis was parked in a handicapped spot? Yes. Because Loomis does what he wants. He does whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. He's driving his BMW and he doesn't give a shit. Um, so then we cut back to Lori and she's in class with a very annoying teacher who yeah. says fate, like fate. Like, she she reminds me of, um, the Charlie Brown teacher if she spoke real words. Yeah. She's all, wah, 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 oh. wah, wah. <laughs> but instead she's just saying the word fate yeah. over and over. And, uh, Lori sees the shape out the window and he's still driving around in the, uh, the station wagon. The asylum car. Yeah, with the official seal of Illinois state workers on the side. Yeah. Then Lori we. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, now we cut over to Tommy's school. Is yes. that where you're going? Yep. So Tommy's walking out of the school, and what we assume is Lonnie Elam and his little gang of ass faces are teasing Tommy and telling him the boogeyman's going to get him, and then they trip him, and he falls, and he breaks his gigantic pumpkin. He, he doesn't even break it. He falls on it. Yeah. Like, his body crushes it. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't think, like, a seven-year-old boy could crush that big of a pumpkin. Yeah, he could. Because you, you have the impact of the cement and his body, so it's coming from both. I don't know. He's pretty little, and that pumpkin's pretty big. Okay. Let's do a test. We will. Let's go find a seven-year-old boy. And No. Crush pumpkins with him. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Lonnie's a dick, and the poor pumpkin pays the price. So then the kids are running away, and the shape grabs a hold of one of them and, like, looks him dead in the face, and the kid shits his pants. Yeah. And then he takes off, and then we see the other two kids running through the schoolyard, which is, like, full of turds. It looks like it's full of turds. Yeah, they're, like, seed pods. But I looked it up. They're seed pods. From, from an ash tree. Yes. 
See, Mandy does her research. The more you know. (laughs) Can we do that without getting sued? Probably not. I I think you're okay because your notes weren't right. Oh. (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, the shape creeps on Tommy for a while. Yeah. Which is like, it takes way too long. Well, and like, this is one of those things I'm like, you didn't have to make the movie 90 minutes. No. Like, you could have cut out this four and a half minute scene of the shape stalking Tommy. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't he just stay on Lori? Yeah. Like. But, I'm, well, he was talking to Lori. So maybe true. he was like, I got to get some intel. So then we cut back to Loomis. He is at a phone booth on the side of the road. After he's done with his phone call to the Haddonfield PD, where he's like, hey, you need to watch out because this psycho guy that I know real well is coming back to town. He finds Michael's hospital garb discarded with the matchbook that the nurse had from the Rabbit in Red Lounge. And then Loomis doesn't notice it. I don't know how. Yeah, but like four feet away from him, there is a dead bloody guy who is now stripped nude, who we can assume Michael... Stole his coveralls yeah. because he's what does it say on the side of the truck? It's a garage of some sort. Yeah, like he's a mechanic. But so. it's like, how did did he not see the vehicle? Did he not like? No, he definitely saw the vehicle because he peeled the the uh, robe or the hospital gown off the side of it. Oh, that's right. Then how does he miss the body? I don't know because it, no it is like literally four feet away from him. Yeah, and it's not like it was laying like it was laying on tall weeds but yes. they were all crushed down and you could clearly see bloody dead man there loomis isn't very observant no he's not which is funny because he's like the detective in this story yeah so then we cut back to Lori. she's out of school now she's meeting up with her friends linda complains about her super busy day and says totally like three thousand times yes and annie catches up with them and she's the grumpy asshole I will say that Annie and Linda's outfits are on point. I would agree with that. Yeah. Lori's They're, is not. Lori is not dressed very stylishly here. No. But the other two girls are. I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and PJ Souls is just, like, she is the late 70s yes. girl. Yeah. Like, she was in Carrie, and she was, like, the hot girl in the hat. She just has that look. Yeah. So, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie is... They're discussing, like, their plans for the night, and uh, Linda's like, oh, yeah, Annie, we're going to come by the house, and I'm going to bang my boyfriend in the house you're babysitting in. And then uh, they're they're talking about banging their boyfriends. Yeah. And Lori's like, I thought you were babysitting tonight. And Linda's like, the only reason she babysits is to have a place to, and then Lori cuts in with, shit. And then Annie, with the snappy comeback, says, I have a place for that. That is a pretty good little quip. Yeah, that was perfect. And the timing of it was just like, yeah. bam, bam. And I loved it. So Linda drones on about her books, saying books a whole bunch of times instead she does, of yeah, totally she, this time. Well, and she doesn't need her books because she's, she doesn't use them. She always forgets her chemistry book and her math book and her history book. Like, oh, I just forget all my books. So then we see the shape drive by. In the creepy station wagon. And he's going by really slow. Yeah. But then Annie's like, hey, jerk, speed kills. Even though he's going like eight miles yeah. per hour. <laughs> he's clearly creeping on them. So he slams on the brakes and somehow manages to squeal to a stop. I didn't know you could do that from eight miles per hour. You can. Tires were different in the 70s. They were. So then he sits there creepily for a minute and then peels out, takes off. And then we get another... 
totally. <laughs> we should have done a totally count. Ooh, yeah. Instead of a body count for this episode, we should have done a totally yeah. count. And fantastic. Oh, yeah. Utterly fantastic. Yeah. Linda is... Oh, yeah. She splits. She, she split. splits from the group. They drop her off at her house. Well, not drop her off, but she... Yeah. She uses her breath spray after smoking her cigarette and heads up to home. Perfume. And then they keep... Wa- Annie and Lori keep walking away, and Annie's really being an ass again. Annie's not a good friend. No. She's just, like, nagging Lori constantly. Yes. But, like, not in that fun, I'm your friend way. It's like the I only keep you around is my whipping post way. Exactly. And so Lori sees the shape standing behind a bush while Annie's digging around in her purse all haphazardly for some reason, because you need to dig around in your purse while you're walking home. Maybe she was trying to get her keys. Oh, yeah. They are pretty close to her Mm -hmm. house. After Lori sees the shape, he pulls the cool move and he's just like, I'm going to sidestep behind this bush. And he disappears from sight. Oh, no. Oh, no. But we know he's around. Yeah. So then after he disappears from sight, Lori's like, hey, did you see that creepy dude? And Annie's like, I'm going to go fight him. So Annie runs up to the bush and she's like pretending that the guy's there and he wants to take Lori out on a date. And then Lori- she's being a dick again. Yeah, she's being a dick for like the eighth time yeah. in two minutes. Yeah. And then Lori gets up there and she's like, oh, poor Lori scared another one away. <laughs> so uh, then they split. Annie goes to her house. Lori runs into Annie's dad, who happens to be the sheriff. Sheriff. And that's a jump scare there, too, because she turns around and is immediately. Yeah. And she gives the first of several very good screams in the movie. Yeah. She does a little shriek. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And then what does Brackett say to her? Everyone deserves one. Oh, it's Halloween. Everyone deserves one good scare. Yes. And actually, One Good Scare was the name of my horror movie review website that I had on Angel Fire when I was in 11th grade. Yeah, I wasn't aware of this. Oh, yeah. It was good. Oh. Pretty much this podcast, but on an Angel Fire webpage. And it probably sucked more because I wasn't involved. Ow. That hurt. You're kind of like Annie. Yeah. Lori gets here, gets home, and here's what sounds like choking at first. Yeah, I don't understand it. And then it just turns out to be kids happily jaunting through the neighborhood, trick or treating, and the, she says the, the well, line. Okay, first of all, why are they trick or treating at like four in the afternoon? Yeah, I don't understand that. And then Lori's weird. This is one of the things that like killed this movie for me. Now is like watching Lori in all of her weird moments. So she watches the kids. And then out of nowhere, she just says, well, kiddo, I thought you outgrew superstition. Yeah. That, what? Yeah. That, there's no context. No. And what superstition? And, like, what superstition is she speaking maybe of? Maybe she just was, like, talking about being spooked. On Halloween. Because she's been all, she's been, you know, she's seen the shape a couple of times, but maybe yeah. it's just her eyes playing tricks on her. And we can see it's getting to her. Yeah. Like when the car drives by, she's like, hey, that's that creepy dude wearing the mask and the overalls. Mm-hmm. So she goes in her house and she's standing by her window and she has a pretty cool room. Yeah. Her room's not bad. Yeah. It actually looks very grown up. Yeah. But. Except for there's a stuffed animal on the bed. Yeah. And she has a 
She has a moment where she's looking out the window and she sees Michael standing in someone's laundry hanging on the line. Not Michael. The, the shape. shape. He's standing in between hanging sheets. And he's staring right at her window. So she slams the window and she backs away and we see a James Ensor painting. Yeah. And what did you find out about him? I found out that he normally paints pictures of people in masks. Yes. And I looked up some of his paintings after you told me that, mm -hmm. and some of them are really creepy. Are they? I didn't look them up. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Like, there's a whole bunch of people in several of the paintings, and they're wearing masks, and they're all looking creepy. Oh. Because, like, the picture she has hanging up just kind of looks like, um, almost like Van Gogh's self-portrait. Yeah. Like, it, it's got that kind of same vibe. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a cool hat. Yeah. He looks like a cool guy. So uh, Lori changes, she gets another big pumpkin to take to Tommy, and she carries her trusty knitting bag with her. Yeah. Yeah, because 17-year-old you know, girls, they, like, they love knitting. I don't understand why she has a knitting bag. I don't either. Especially with all the shit that she had planned for the night. You're yeah. not going to have time to knit, Lori. Well, maybe she thought after Tommy went to bed. Oh, yeah. She's not going to be in the orgy. Oh, no. no. She doesn't get to orgy. We also find out that she really likes the color blue. She's got like blue slacks, like a blue shirt. She's got a blue she jacket. She looks flawless here. Oh, she does. Like, you, you say 70s and that's what you picture. Like, yes. she's got on navy blue bell bottoms. She's wearing a light blue collared shirt with a blue navy blue sweater. Is navy blue sweater over top? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, And the hair looks like she like ironed it. Yeah. It is flat and perfect. You also notice um, how much her hair changes lengths oh, yeah. throughout the movie. And styles. It, yes. Sometimes it's curly. Sometimes it's straight. Yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes it almost has like that bob where it's like curled yes. under at the bottom. That's when it's a little bit shorter. When it's a little bit longer is when it gets a little like curly, yeah. wavy, flowy. Maybe in 20 days, her hair just grew a lot. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't either. 20 days isn't that long. Um, maybe she was on prenatal vitamins. Maybe. She's waiting for Annie to come pick her up because Annie called with her obscene chewing phone call and was like, hey, I got the car. I'm going to come pick you up. Which I think I would just walk. I would probably walk. Yeah. I don't want to get in Annie's car. I don't either. I don't know, but Annie does hand her a J when she gets in the car. So. That's true. And they are listening to some Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. So I'm not an expert on rolling papers of the 70s, but was it yellow? It was a yellowish greeny color. It, Yeah. I, I don't know if maybe zigzags looked different <laughs> back I then. I don't know. <laughs> but it was definitely not just a white wrapper. No, Dazed and Confused did not prepare me for that joint. No. So then we cut over to Loomis. He's going to the cemetery with the caretaker who is wearing a Canadian tuxedo. And looks like a crazy man. Yes. And sounds like a crazy yeah. man. And then he starts telling a story about old Charlie Bowles. I don't remember. Over in Russellville. And he cut up his family with a hacksaw yeah. after dinner one night. And Loomis is like, okay, shut the fuck up. It where was, are we? I really wish we could have heard the end of the story, though. Yes. It's like the joke in The Breakfast Club. Yes. Before Bender falls through the ceiling. And you're like, I just want to know exactly. what happened. As he's like hammering on about his story. Loomis is getting frustrated and is like well where's the plot and he's like oh yeah it's right over here and then he starts oh yeah i remember michael myers such a young boy <laughs> and then he 
they find out that Judith's headstone has been stolen. And the caretaker, oh, goddamn kids, they'll do anything for Halloween. And Loomis is like, no, bro, that wasn't kids. That was a badass. Yeah. And he came home. He came home. So now we cut back to Lori and Annie. They're cruising around in the Monte Carlo, smoking a joint, listening to some Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Lori holds the joint like she has never held anything (laughs) in her hands at all. Ever before. I think they're trying to show that she's inexperienced, but she doesn't put up any of a fight. No, I mean, she's she, like, cool, you got a joint. Yeah. But, yeah. So, cruise. obviously, she's done it before. But, yeah. Like, I don't think she's ever held a pen. No. I don't think she's held. Because she's, like, holding it over the top. Isn't yeah. Isn't she, like. Yeah, she's holding it weirder than a Frenchman would. Sorry if we have any French listeners. We don't. <laughs> um. So, yeah, they're cruising around. And then the shape pulls in behind him and he is very obviously tailing them yes like he's like half a bumper length off the back of the car like i'd be slamming my brakes on him and annie never checks her mirrors no she's just well she's just busy making fun of her friend well that too she's just torturing her friend so Lori gets the weed coughs real bad but oh no <laughs> they see annie's dad and he's standing outside the hardware store and, and they just have to pull over yeah. to talk to him I like just wave and drive by that's what i would do yeah but no they have to pull over roll the window down talk to her dad and they've just been hot boxing this yes. car and her dad's a cop they're, they're, in the 70s yes. the late 70s he's gonna know what pot smells like maybe he doesn't his nose doesn't work anymore oh maybe maybe it was from the the nom maybe because he looks like he was probably in the nom <laughs> i bet he was that's no. how he got into police work okay Annie is also a total bitch to her dad. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's just kind of a dick. She's just a bitch. Um, so they talk, they pull away, and Lori's like, oh my goodness, I, I just know he knew. But what do we find out happened at the hardware store? There was a break-in. What did they steal? Masks. Halloween mask. A Halloween mask? Some rope? And a couple of knives. Oh. Probably kids. Do they have knives at hardware stores? That one they do. Okay. It looked kind of like a hardware general store. Oh. I imagine it's like an Oregon Trail situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then Loomis approaches and is like, hey, Sheriff, I've been looking for you. I need to talk to you. And the sheriff's like, dude, hold on. I'm busy. And so Loomis stands outside on the sidewalk with his back to the street but he's, like, looking up and down the sidewalk. Like, he's really trying to see if, like, Michael's just out there toddling around. Yeah. Like, and, he's looking for Michael while being completely obtuse. Yeah. And Michael drives in the car right behind him. The car that was stolen kind of from him. Yeah. Since he was the state employee who yeah. chartered the ride. But, yeah. Um, so then we cut back to the gals in the car. And Lori admits to Annie after some torture that she likes Ben Tramer and she wants to date and she wants to go to dances and she wants to wear pretty dresses. She doesn't say she wants to wear pretty dresses. I like to think of Jamie Lee in a pretty dress and she's at the prom and everything's going great. That's prom night. Oh, shit. Wrong movie. And there's a disco floor. (laughs) (laughs) So Annie's still being an asshole, but kind of more endearing now she's she's being a little bit nicer like she's trying to give Lori some like tips and like 
She's like, hey, you know what? You're a catch. Go get a guy. Yeah. So the shape is still following them way too close. And they are still completely oblivious to it. Like, Annie really needs to look in the mirrors once in a while. Possibly. Yeah. Like, that guy you yelled at earlier who, Isn't like, intimidated you. He's now following you. And you're like, well, I mean, she's high. That doesn't make you not see. Well, yeah, but maybe she's just like, did <laughs> you see that car back there? <laughs> I like to think that weed was a lot better in the 70s. Okay. So Annie drops Lori off and then... Gets to just, like, pull into the garage at the Wallace's house? Yeah, I don't understand that. She just, like, pulls. Like, I expected her to park in front of the street. Yeah. Because that's what makes sense. Yeah. That's no. what a babysitter would do. Yes. No, but she gets garage privileges. Yeah, which she kinda, pulls right up into that garage. Like, is she banging Mr. or Mrs. Wallace? Possibly. Because she gets garage privileges, and I babysat. I never got garage pri- privileges. I didn't either. I got rice privileges. In all fairness, I walked to most of my babysitting gigs. Oh, yeah. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the shape gets out of the car. He checks out the whole babysitting situation. And (laughs) then I I wrote this in my notes. The Wallaces want little Lindsay in bed by nine. It's Halloween night, you dickheads. Yeah. Like, like don't make your, what, 10-year-old kid? My question is, is where are all the parents going on Halloween? Oh, they're going to like a country club party, I bet. But they're not even dressed up. Well, no, the parents can't dress up. This is the 70s. Like, they're not being very good parents. No, they're not. Halloween, you stay home and you hang out with your kids. You hand out candy. Yeah. And then you don't make your kid go to bed at nine. No. I get the impression, though, that Lindsay didn't go trick-or-treating. She's not in a costume. That's true. She's sitting in the living room. There's no candy. Yeah. She's just like, (laughs) she's kind of a 45-year-old dad. She's just sitting on the couch like, I'm just going to watch my movie. <laughs> just leave me alone. So uh, then Loomis and Sheriff Brackett go to the Myers house. They find a dead dog and Brackett's like, a skunk could have done it. Do skunks, <laughs> do skunks eat dogs? Um, maybe if they found a dead one, they like, would eat it. I, I should look this up, but are skunks omnivores? Because I, I just pictured they run around and they're like, ooh, berries and corn. You're just thinking of, what's the skunk from Bambi? I don't know. I don't remember seeing Bambi. Okay. I was going to say Thumper, but that's the rabbit. No, that's that's the bunny. But Petunia. I Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah, because she's stinky, yeah. so she has the name Petunia. But I don't know that a, a skunk could take down a dog of that size. No. And then uh, Loomis is like, he got hungry. <laughs> and Brackett's like, nah, there's no way. A man wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and Loomis gets melodramatic again. And he goes, this isn't a man. I'm doing a lot of Loomis impersonations. You, you're doing good. I love Loomis. So Loomis takes Brackett to the room where Judith was stabbed. Um, <laughs> and he's like, standing on the lawn, he could have seen her. And then an Eve spout falls and Loomis freaks the <laughs> fuck out. He pulls a gun right in front of the sheriff, and he pulls the gun so clumsily, I'm surprised he didn't shoot his balls off. Yeah. Um, And then he shows, it's okay. I have a permit for that. But it's a good jump scare. And then Loomis gives the speech. Yeah. It is the speech to end all speeches. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to recite it. You're not. Because I can't do it justice. Yeah. Um, The main point of it is that 
I wrote down he has the devil's eyes. Yes, the blackest eyes. And they are purely, simply evil. And uh, at this point, I think that's when Brackett gets on board. He's like, okay, maybe this dude ate a dog. (laughs) And this psychiatrist who is so scared of this dude that he's carrying around guns is like, hey, this guy's evil. Yeah, I'd probably just think he was crazy himself. Yeah, but you can kind of see Brackett's like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe I should call the the TV and radio stations. And Loomis is like, no, do not prepare people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because then they'd see him on every street corner. They'll go crazy. Well, better safe, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Keep everybody locked inside. Yeah, call the radio station. Trick-or-treating's over. So uh, Loomis is like, hey, I'm going to stay at the house. Brackett's like, okay, I'm going to come back in an hour. I don't know why. But uh, Brackett leaves to patrol. Loomis looks grumpily down at the yard. And then we cut over to Lori, and she's reading comic books to the annoying child. And Tommy's like, hey, what about the boogeyman? And Lori's like, hey, there's no such thing as the boogeyman. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, because Lonnie told me that the boogeyman's going to get me tonight. And she's like, hey, bro, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I'm here. I'm going to keep you safe. Yeah. And you know what? She She sticks to it. That's another point for Lori. Annie calls. She's still an asshole. Yeah. She called Ben Tramer and was like, hey, guess who wants to jump your bones? And Ben Tramer was like, booyah, I'm going to go drink now. (laughs) And uh, Lori is like, no, this is bad. You need to call him back. She's like, can't. He's out for the night. By the way, I spilled butter on my clothes. Yeah. But maybe if you watch Lindsay for me, then I will call Ben Tramer tomorrow. Maybe. I'll consider it. Yeah. Well, and at this at this late point, Lori can't get a dress. No. She, she can't go get her hair did. No. Like, just setting her up for failure. But it was the 70s. Kids didn't do as much for... I assume it was homecoming they were going to. Yeah, I'd assume so. It's October. Yeah, so they didn't dress up as much. So Lester, the dog, comes into the room while Annie's making popcorn. Lester's the best boy. He is. Even if he's growling at Annie. And, and Well, she's a dick. I, that's true. And she's like, oh my God, I'm the only person this dog doesn't like. Okay, take a hint. Yeah. Maybe it's you. <laughs> Maybe the dog's trying to tell you something. Like, quit being an asshole. Lester goes outside. And we get the feeling that Lester sees something out there. There's something hiding in the bushes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> do, 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 da, ba, ba, da. Lester. Oh, I forgot to say that Tommy looked out the window and he saw the shape. Oh, yeah. And the shape was standing in front of the Wallace's house. And then the shape's like, uh-oh, I've been spotted. I'm going to creep around back now. Mm-hmm. That's when Lester's like, hey, there's somebody out back. Lori just brushed him off. She's like, shut up, little kid. I'm trying to deal with my life here. Even though I've seen things today, too. I'm not going to believe you. Yeah. So uh, Annie spills the butter on her clothes, and then she just strips and grabs one of the Wallace dad's shirts Yeah, that is hanging near the kitchen for some reason. Never in all of my years would I think to grab somebody that I was babysitting for, grab their shirt and put it on. Well, and I wouldn't consider stripping down because I spilled some butter on me. No. I'd just be like, well, that's the end of these pants. I yeah. guess with my babysitting money, I'm going to buy some new pants. Exactly. But yeah, she strips and she yells at Lindsay and she's like, I need a robe. And Lindsay's like, no, I'm watching TV. Yeah, because she's a 45 year old man on the couch. Yeah. So Michael sees Annie stripping through the 
the back window on the patio and his boner knocks down a potted plant that's hanging there. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, that was a naked back and I'm a 21 year old man and I've, Never. I haven't seen a naked woman since I killed my sister. <laughs> <laughs> 15 years ago. So Lester's like, hey, dude, you shouldn't be out here. And he's yelling at Michael. And the shape does something horrible. He kills the doggy. He kills the doggy. He strangles him. This- That's the second dog he's killed. It is. At this point in Michael's life, he has killed one whole sister, but two whole dogs. Yeah. And I think the dogs are worse. Yeah. Well, his sister was being promiscuous. Exactly. She deserved it. She had it coming. Okay, so the thing is on TV. Tommy gets annoying about the jack-o'-lantern and popcorn and the boogeyman again. Um, Lori promised her protection. Um, Tommy's being a bitch and doesn't want to watch the horror movie. So they go to make some popcorn. So (laughs) then we cut back to Annie's. Can, Can we talk about the popcorn container for a moment? Did you happen to notice the Jolly Time popcorn? I think it was when they were at Annie's. Oh, oh, yeah. It was it, sitting on the counter okay. next to the stove. And it looks like the exact same container that Comet comes in. <laughs> Did you know? I mean, it's that like cardboard. The cardboard tube, tube. with the metal top and bottom on yes, it. Yes, like it looked like a can of Comet. But with a different logo. But with Jolly Time popcorn written on it. Yeah. I. You know what? I didn't really like consciously notice it. But now that you say it, I can picture yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's confusing. Don't let the little kids try to make the popcorn. (laughs) Hopefully Uh, they're not colorblind. Oh, God, that'd be terrible. (laughs) Annie decides to go to the outdoor washing room, which in Illinois is not practical. No, It gets real cold in Illinois. I don't want to have to walk 50 feet outside to go do my laundry. Yeah. It, It makes no sense. No, no sense at all. Sure, it'd be great in California. Yeah. In South Pasadena, California. Yeah. (laughs) So Annie goes in there. The shape peeks through the curtain. Annie talks to herself a lot. Yeah. Uh, The door shuts and gets stuck. So Annie is outside of the house in a completely different building. And she just thinks she's going to yell and Lindsay's going to hear her and come save the day. Well, how? why wouldn't she be able to hear her? Well, because she's a 45-year-old dad and she doesn't give two shits. Yeah. And she's sitting on the couch with the thing playing loudly. Yeah. And with her hand up on the side of her face, like she's about to fall asleep watching the movie. Yeah. Like a 45-year-old dad. Yeah. Do you want to throw in a fun fact about Lindsay here? Do you know who Lindsay is? Yeah. She's Kyle Richards. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, she is on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's a very pretty lady. She's very beautiful. She I've is. never watched the show, so I don't know anything about it. But... She was also in that NFL commercial oh. with Dak Prescott. It was like the direct TV, like they switch back and forth between the housewives and okay. the NFL. Okay, yep, yep. And she's like, I just want to talk. Yes. Yeah. So Lindsay did go on to have a career. Kind of. Yeah. She married. <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> so... Annie decides, hey, I'm stuck in here. I hear the phone ringing, and I bet it's my boyfriend, and I really want to talk to my boyfriend, so I'm going to climb out the window. So she gets stuck in the window, because she's she doesn't think things through. No. <laughs> so Lindsay comes out and saves Annie from the door that locks from the outside. outside. Yeah. Which I don't get. Uh, that, 
There's a lot going on in this washroom. Uh, well, maybe the Wallaces have some deep hidden secrets. Well, maybe that's how Annie got her garage privileges. Yeah. They're like, hey, you know what? If you be our little washroom girl, we'll lock you in there sometimes. I don't know. So Paul calls back and Lindsay exposes that Annie got herself stuck in the window. Yes. Um, Annie gets horny on the phone <laughs> and is like, hey. You should come over here and bang me. And, okay, <laughs> now, if I'm a 17, 18-year-old boy and my girlfriend is like, walk over here and do me. Yeah. No, come pick me up. You could have heard me running. <laughs> Phone drop, like, squealing tires. Yes. <laughs> like, I would have burned through the soles of my shoes, but he's like, oh, you come pick me up. Yeah. But she also... Utters the line, utterly fantastic. Yes. Utterly Dur- fantastic. And did you know that John Carpenter is the voice of Paul? I do. I'm sure you did, but yeah. I thought I'd throw that tidbit in there. I've watched a documentary or two about this movie. Or a hundred. Yes. So apparently Annie's planning an orgy because mm-hmm. she's like, hey, friend Linda, bring Bob over and shag him in the house where I'm babysitting yeah. A small child. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to bring my boyfriend over and I'm going to shag him in the same house. With the small child. Yeah. In a house that's not ours. Yeah. But since she has to leave to go pick up her boyfriend, I think maybe she's thinking I'm going to get some in the Monte Carlo. Yeah. So she's like, Lindsay, you got to go watch TV with Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Because I don't want you in the car when I'm banging Paul because I'm a good babysitter. <laughs> So after the orgy plans are made, Annie crosses the street, still wearing just a button up white collared shirt. Yeah, but she throws a blanket over her shoulders. Yes. Instead of wrapping it around her waist. But it's okay because she has long socks on. She does have long socks and that's actually kind of hot. For some reason, yes. Like like the button down shirt and like the cotton underwear and the long socks. Like it works. Skip the blanket. Yeah, skip. Well, I don't want that blanket on there. <laughs> that blanket goes on the ground. So the shape's still watching. Um, I don't know if his boners knocked anything else over. Uh, Tommy bitches out on the jack-o'-lantern that he insisted they go carve <laughs> so that he can go watch TV with Lindsay. And I kind of I get the impression that like Lindsay and Tommy are like, I like you, but like I'm not old enough yeah, to like you. You can tell they're friends. So Annie's still being a dick about Ben Tramer, and she might call him, so she uses that as blackmail. Mm-hmm. Annie goes back over to the Wallace house and is very, very annoying. Yes. She's whistling and singing, and singing a song. Oh, Paul, is that a re- I can no longer stop. Is that a real song? I don't think so. Okay. I hope not. Because I know the song that Lori sings earlier when she's walking by herself. Mm-hmm. She made that up. Yeah. And she was very self-conscious about it. Was she? Yeah. But I don't know about the Paul song. So Annie goes to the Monte Carlo and she's like, ah, shit, the door's locked. I don't have the keys. You need keys to drive a car. So she goes inside to get the keys. She straightens out her hair. She's still whistling. She's still singing. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm really, really ready for her to die. Yes. She goes back outside into the garage and lo and behold... She she makes so many mistakes here. Yes. Did they never listen to a true crime podcast? Apparently they never had. What the hell? I put she was walking to the car distracted. So she has no idea what's going on around her. Walking into a dark garage. 
walking into a dark garage. She didn't check her back seat. No. Her car windows were fogged over, which is like an obvious sign somebody's in your car. Yeah. She deserved to die. She did. Yeah. She comes back out and the car door is now unlocked. And she doesn't notice. She gets in and she's like, huh, look, my windows are all foggy. (laughs) Instead of just bailing out of the fucking car like you should have done. Yes. She reaches up and wipes some of the condensation off like she has never seen condensation (laughs) on glass before. Looks at her fingers like, what is this? Well, this is magical. And then we get like the sting sound of Michael. Of the shape popping up in the back seat that Uh and it's awesome and i imagine a lot of people shit their pants in the theater oh i'm sure and he chokes her for a while and she does a really really bad job of acting like she's being strangled and then michael's like you know what this is horrible stop being so extra i did appreciate how long they showed him strangling her yeah because in movies often it's like they strangle for somebody strangle somebody for two seconds and they're dead. Yeah. No, it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot longer. Mandy and he, knows. <laughs> and he uh, he just got tired of waiting. So Man- Mandy's the Iowa strangler. Yeah. So he just decided to slit her throat instead. Yeah. And actually, I got to say her death was awesome. Like her squirming in the front yeah. seat like she was. I, <laughs> and I, she's like, she did the smart thing. She started slamming on the horn. Yes. But, but nobody hears the horn. Well, she's in a garage. Well. Garages were pretty robust in 1978, I bet. You think so? They were made out of... Wood. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when she finally dies and like her, her face falls into the um, window... And she like, goes cross-eyed. <laughs> it kills me every time. <laughs> like, it's funny. Yeah. Um, Nancy Loomis, you are a beautiful woman... We just don't like your character. Yes. Um, and actually, have you seen her lately? No. She's still gorgeous. Really? Yeah. Just you know, kind of like, kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Like, she's just like, look at me. Um, a hot older lady. She's let herself age. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, let's see. Okay, what I want to know though is how did Michael unlock the car? Like, do you think he was already in the car? And he locked it when she approached. Like, no, I need to fog these windows up some more. (laughs) Like, it is Um, not foggy enough. As oblivious as she is, he could have broken, like, a different window on the car. Yeah. And gotten in that way. We've we've seen that he knows how to break a window. Yeah, with a wrench tape to his hand. Um... I also kind of wondered why the windows were so steamy. Yeah. But he did just knock a plant over with his boner. So <laughs> maybe he was like, I got to go hide in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she just interrupted him. Yeah. And he was like, damn it. Okay. So she's dead. Yeah. And then we cut back to the Doyle household where Tommy tries to scare Lindsay by standing behind the curtain and saying her name. Yeah. Weird. Lindsay. Yeah. And Lindsay jumps up and she, where are you? <laughs> So then Tommy, for some reason, just abandons trying to scare her and turns around to look out the window. Yeah, that's what we all do. Yeah. He's like, I have a plan and it's to scare her. Ooh, look outside. Yeah. So he turns around and what does he see? He sees the shape carrying Annie's body. And I got to say right here, Annie is doing a really good job of looking dead. Yeah. She's flopping with every step. 
It looks good. Mm -hmm. Except for the fact that when they first show it, her head is on one side. And then the next time they show it, her head is on the other side. I did not notice that. Yeah. They continuity error. But you know what? I still love the movie. Then we cut to one of my favorite scenes. Loomis hiding in the bushes. Oh, no. But first, we got to talk about Tommy being a bitch again. Oh, okay. Because he's like, the boogeyman is outside. The boogeyman is outside. Oh, okay. And then Lori comes over and she's like, dude, knock it off with the boogeyman stuff. You're going to scare Lindsay. And he's like, no. Buddy believes me. Oh, poor Tommy Doyle. And then Lindsay's like, I believe you, Tommy. And someday I'm going to ask you to the homecoming dance. <laughs> because they're totally going to end up together. Eh. So now. So now we cut to one of my favorite scenes. This is one of the best scenes in horror movie history. Yes. So Loomis is hiding in the bushes in front of the Meyer, well, to the side of the Myers house. And um, up come... The gang of bullies that were picking on Tommy earlier. The Dick Nose Trio. Oh, is that what we're going to call them? That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, But they're daring Lonnie. Is it Lonnie? Yeah. That they're daring to go up to the front porch. Lonnie's got that red windbreaker. Yeah. He's and I a, want it. He's a brave boy. He is a brave boy. So he starts stepping up there. And then Loomis. <laughs> <laughs> Loomis yells. <laughs> Not even yells. He like whispers, hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. And the dick nose trio. They run. They cut. They're done. And, and Loomis just has this grin on his face like, yeah, I scared those kids. Yeah, he is oddly pleased it, about it's, this. It's good. I'm kind of worried that he's a psychiatrist. Yeah. Like he, he took a little too much pleasure out of scaring boys. Maybe he's just been around Michael too long. And the evil is in him. Yeah. So then Brackett shows up and scares the shit out of Loomis. Yes. Which maybe don't sneak up on a a guy that you think is mentally unstable and has a gun. Yeah. Like Brackett's already seen him be like, oh, my God, an Eve spout. I must kill it. It, it. It's good advice. Yeah. Maybe just don't sneak up on anybody on Halloween night when no. there's a killer loose. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah. Loomis gives another grand speech about watching Michael for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at this night, inhumanly patient. <laughs> God, I love Loomis. He, he's a character. And then for some reason, Brackett's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to believe you with your fancy talk. And he even says fancy talk. And he then he accuses Loomis of being the one who let Michael out. Yes. He's like, damn you for letting him go. It wasn't Loomis's fault. No. And Loomis just kind of looks at him like, yeah, I know. Yes, Mandy? Um, you look confused. <laughs> I am confused. <laughs> so they never discuss, and maybe like you've seen this in like horror documentaries and stuff, but how did Michael get himself out? Or was that just a fluke thing? I don't know. They never really explain it. Okay. Um. Which I think makes it scarier. Yeah. Because you're like, did Michael set all this up? Yeah. Because I kind of feel like he did. Okay. Rob, that... Rob Zombie's movie explained it. Okay. Well, that was my question. That's why I looked confused. So then we cut over. We are back in front of the Wallace house. Bob's van. Bob's, Bob's van. van. <laughs> oh, my God. Bob. And Bob. Yes. 
Bob has the glasses. I love Bob. He has the hair. He yes. has the open collar on the shirt. And like, what are those glasses? It's the same kind of glasses Hyde wears in that 70s show. Where Like, are they sunglasses or are they prescription glasses? My dad had those glasses. Okay. Um, I think they were prescription glasses with just like that nice L- smoky tint. tint on them. Yeah. It's almost like HD glasses. Yes. Um, everybody in the 70s was seeing shit in HD. <laughs> So Linda and Bob show up to bang and Bob is so much of a douche, but I love him. Yes. And he and Linda may want to bang a little girl. Possibly. Because he's like, I'm going to rip your clothes off. I'm going to rip my clothes off. I'm going to rip. I'm going to rip Lindsay's clothes clothes off. I think he was just making a joke that can be taken very poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they were drinking Budweiser's. Oh, well, you know. I misspeak when I drink Budweiser. I do too. So we'll I blame kinda, it on the bud. I kind of talk like this. Yeah. So then they get out of the van and they're being totally silly. <laughs> and he carries her across the threshold and they they get in the house and it's totally dark. It's dark and it's empty. And Linda and Bob are like, you know what? Let's not think too much about this. Let's go make out on the couch. Let's go dry hump. Yeah. So in, a, in a stranger's house, on their couch. And they spill beer. Yeah. Like, they just discard I, their beer cans onto the couch. Are, do they even know they're in the right house? I don't know. It's the 70s. People don't lock their doors. I don't know, but they're just going to dry hump on that couch and spill beer on yeah. it. And then the shape is watching them. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that Michael's horny. Yeah. Because he's like, naked girl. He's a bit of vo- a voyeur. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to watch these kids dry hump on the couch. So then I guess the dry humping was done and Linda's like, I'm going to call Lori. And she just magically knows the number to the Doyle house. Yeah. So. But. And it's small. Like, I don't know how big Haddonfield's supposed to be. I don't know. Because like where I grew up, I could have got dialed any of my neighbor's numbers. Really? Yeah. That's weird. You just knew them. Like, I knew one of my neighbor's numbers because it was my my aunt yeah my aunt aunt my aunt we're from iowa we say aunt aunt so Lori wants to know while she's speaking on the phone what time she needs to put Lindsay to bed which this is another weird babysitting thing yeah she's like hey annie dropped off this little girl who i am now in charge of what time should i put her to bed with the kid that i'm currently babysitting because nobody's going to think anything of this. No. Like, it, what time are these parents coming home? Are it, they out all night? <laughs> I don't understand. The late 70s were a different time. Oh, it's wild. Okay, so Bob and Linda are like, this is awesome. Lindsay is gone for the night. Yes. Lindsay's never coming home. No, we have this whole house to ourselves. And what do they do? They're they, going to go upstairs. They take a jack-o'-lantern upstairs. Yeah, do... Do they take the jack-o'-lantern with them? I think so. Okay. Because it was on the front porch. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. So. Maybe they didn't want to turn any lights on and they thought it would be romantic. Oh, maybe. The light of the jack-o'-lantern. For that minute and 12 seconds of high school boinking. Bob's not in high school. No, no. (laughs) Bob's had ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So 
<laughs> they go upstairs. They're banging in someone else's bed, in someone else's house. They brought the jack-o'-lantern with them. Then they take the phone off the hook because uh-huh. Bob can't concentrate with all this racket going on. <laughs> um, the shape walks by, and then they finish boning. <laughs> then they just start smoking in someone else's no, okay. bed. She lights two cigarettes at the same time, which is totally badass. Yes. Like, PJ then, Souls can get it. I know. And then she just hands him one, and then they're talking back and forth about how they want a beer, and she tells him to go get her a beer. Yeah. She is a strong, independent woman. Totally. Totally. Um, Bob says, yeah, a whole bunch of times. Uh-huh. Totally. Um. So Bob tells her, don't get dressed. I'll be right back. Yeah, he shouldn't have said that. I know. He should have watched Scream. So Bob goes down to the kitchen to steal beer from the fridge. (laughs) Can we? Okay, he gets beer from the fridge, and then he gets in the cabinet. Yes. What, is he getting a coffee mug? I don't know. It looks like he's going to grab a coffee mug. Bob's wild. I, I don't understand it. I just like... These people used to be part of the Manson family. Like, Bob used to be part of the Manson family. <laughs> They're creepy crawling. Yes, this is not Bob's first creepy crawl. <laughs> so he hears a noise. He hears. Because <sighs> Michael can't breathe in that mask. No, it's hard. It's humid in there. Yeah, and he has asthma. Yeah. So he thinks Linda's playing a trick on him, even though, like, Clearly, Linda could not have gotten into the room. <laughs> no. He calls her an asshole. Um, then he's like, okay, I know you're in the closet. I can hear you breathing. Come out. Well, the shape comes out. It's not Linda. It's not. No. Much, much sexier than Linda. <laughs> William Shatner white face. Yeah. Probably... I'm not going to say it's the best kill in horror history because we're going to have that in the next movie we review. But this one is probably the most iconic. It, it's a good one. So the shape grabs Bob by the throat, hoists him up on the door. His feet are completely off the ground. Bob's a tall dude. He, he stabs or he not stabs. He chokes him for a while before he starts lifting him up. Yeah. Yeah. And then he lifts him up. And then he pins him to the door by stabbing him. Through the midsection. This would be so much messier in real life. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) Bob's body would fall. Yes. It it, It would slide down the knife. It would not be good. Um, But we get the Michael head tilt. Yes. Michael is just admiring his work. And you can almost see the wheels turning. He's like, now what am I going to do with this dead body? Yes. I'm going to set up a... It's a fun house. No, um... A Rube Goldberg machine. Yes. That's almost what it turns into. Yeah, a Rube Goldberg machine of death. <laughs> okay, so now Linda is fucking filing her nails in someone else's bed. <laughs> Linda, come on. Yeah, that's nasty. Um, the shape dresses up like a ghost, and I want I wish that we had a scene where we got to see him like, I got this sheet and I'm cutting the holes. Okay, and then not only does he do that, but he takes Bob's glasses off of him and puts them on over the sheet. He is fucking Ghost Bob for (laughs) Halloween. He went as Ghost Bob for trick-or-treating. Yes. So, you know, like, Linda flashes him. (laughs) That's my dog. 
That's also Mandy's dog. Sorry if that was really loud. Yeah. He's a beagle. and He's good at noises. So where were we? Um. Oh, boobs. Yeah. She flashes him and Linda gets pissed. Yeah. She's like, I showed you my boobs. And now you're come not, here. You're not doing anything about it. She wants her beer. Yeah. And so she's like, you know what? Screw this. You suck. I'm going to call my friend. Mm-hmm. And... She calls Lori. Lori answers the phone, and then the shape makes his move. Michael jumps on her. Well, not really, but... But he is strangling her with that phone cord. And And she's all... She's making very sexual-sounding noises. Yeah. And... And Lori's cool. But she's Lori- just like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> Lori just thinks that it's Annie playing a prank. Yeah. Like, sh- sex doesn't even cross her mind. No, she doesn't know what that sounds like. She's a good girl. Okay. She's a good joint smoking girl. So <laughs> my, my favorite part of this whole scene is after Linda's lifeless body falls to the floor, the shape picks up the phone and puts it to his ear. <laughs> and I just wanted him to be like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't say hello. No. And Lori's creep now. Yeah. She's like, okay. Something's going on. Like, what was that? So she's like, I'm going to look over at the house, see what's going on. And then Lori magically knows the number to the Wallaces. Of course. So she dials. And you know what? She doesn't get an answer because everybody in that house is dead except for the shape and he doesn't talk. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to go upstairs, check on the kiddos. So she goes, she checks on the kiddos. They're sleeping in the same bed. Which isn't that weird. No. But she was just like, I'm going to put these kids in the parents' bed because I don't know what to do with yes. these kids. And then she tells them to sleep tight. Sleep tight, kiddos. Which is kind of creepy, too. Yeah. She's weird. weird. So then we cut back to Loomis. He sees the stolen car. Finally. He's been in this town the whole day. I get the impression there's not a lot of town in this town. No. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's my car. I finally found my car. So uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to start running down the street. He starts running down the street. Lori's like, you know what? I don't feel good about what's going on over at the Wallace house. This is also when the theme kicks in. Yes. And so you're building suspense with a very scary music. So (laughs) here's another thing I thought was weird. Lori digs into her knitting bag and gets the house keys. Yes. Now, when you babysat, did anybody ever like, here, have the house keys? No. First of all, it's the 70s. Yeah. Nobody's locking their doors. But she does because she's a responsible babysitter. She must. Um, The only thing I can think of is she must babysit fairly regularly for them. Yeah. And maybe she does like after school. Maybe or they something. have a cat. When they go on I, weekend trips, I don't know. She I never had a cat. I never had a key to anybody's house. I didn't either. I don't think my parents trusted me with a key to my house. <laughs> um, so Lori's like, "I'm gonna go over to the Wallace house." She goes in through the open back patio door. Which did you notice that the hanging plant that Michael's boner knocked down earlier is now back up? Well, yeah, yeah. It's little. It's a magic plant. So it's a magic boner plant. So Lori goes upstairs and Annie is dead in the bed. And what's above her head? Judith's tombstone. Dun, dun, dun. Loomis was right. Caretaker was wrong. It wasn't those goddamn kids. Did you also notice how clean the tombstone was? There's a little bit of dirt at the bottom. (laughs) 
little bit. I'm also very impressed that Michael was able to pick that up. Oh, he's a strong boy. And just like haul it around. He's a strong boy. Lori is shaken. She's traumatized. Yeah, she freaks out. She backs into the wall. And then we hear like a release, like mm-hmm. a lever. Like, yeah. And then Bob comes like flopping down, hanging upside down in the closet door. Yeah. And he's swinging back and forth <laughs> violently. And she's like, oh, no. So she backs into another wall. And then a cupboard door just like slowly opens on its own uh-huh. to reveal that Linda is dead in there. How did Michael set this up? He's so good. Uh, he's very good. Linda's he- dead face is pretty good, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, PJ Souls gave it her all. Yeah. But yeah, like seriously, Michael, like you said, he made a Rube Goldberg machine of yes. macabre death. Yeah. It it's was... like, surprise, all your friends are dead. Yeah. So Lori does exactly what I would do in this situation. She goes out in the hall and has you, a little breakdown. You would just lean against a doorway? Probably. She leans against a lot of doorways in the next five minutes. I would catch my breath. I would maybe puke a little. Yeah. Like, at least in my mouth. Because I'm not going to be an asshole who shags in other people's bed and pukes on their floors. <laughs> and then we get one of the greatest scenes, not in just horror movie history, but in movie history. Yeah. So she's standing, her back is to this dark doorway, and then just slowly light fades up, and it's a creepy blue light. Mm-hmm. And we just see the mask behind her just slowly stepping forward yeah it's like he's stepping out of your nightmares and he takes a swipe at her with a knife but she's in the process of spinning around so he just kind of like drags the knife down her sleeve yeah she gets a little bit of a cut yeah a little bit and then oops she falls over the railing yeah the banister yeah that doesn't feel good no And she goes crashing all the way down to the first floor. Yeah. She looks up the stairs and the shape is up there and he is glorious. Mm -hmm. He's going to come get her. Yeah. And he does the coolest walk down the steps I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And when they ask Nick Castle, like, how did you come up with that walk? And he's like, it's how I walk. (laughs) Like, can you imagine seeing him just like walking down the stairs at like a college? Yeah. He's just like, I'm going to class. And you're like, dude, what's up with that? It'd be way creepier in real life. Yeah. So. She can't get the front door open. Nope. Can't get the front door open. So she runs to the patio door that she just came through. Mm -hmm. And uh uh-oh. There's a rake. Is it a rake? Yes. There's a rake blocking the patio door from opening. Yeah. So she can't get it open. Okay. So I have a few more questions about the Wallace family. Okay. Because they have a lock on the door to their kitchen. Mm Mm-hmm. They can lock someone in the living room. What is going on with the Wallaces? I, I don't know. They, they have some dark, dark secrets. Like, do you think Annie has permission to bang in their house? Maybe. They're like, hey, you know what? We like it. Yeah. Maybe they're swingers. Yeah. Then they come home and they're like, oh, man, do you smell all that teen angst? Ew, bang? stop it. Teenagers stink. They do. Um, But, you know, maybe that's how the Wallaces get down. <laughs> so uh, um, the shape busts through the door. And unlocks it. Lori smashes through the window. Well, not through the window. Through one pane one of pane. glass on the window. Moves the rake. She tries to rouse a neighbor. And the neighbor's a total dick. This is where we get the worst. Is it ADR? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this whole scene is terrible. It's just a lot of her going, oh, oh, no, no. And you can tell it was added in post. Yes. Yeah, it was really bad. It's bad. And then we also get when she gets back to the Doyle house after she tries oh, to rouse I've the neighbor. That too. Who just stares at this like teenage girl who's screaming yes. on his front porch. And he's like, oh, shut up. But going back to the Manson family, can't you imagine that people at this time were like, I don't want to say. A little paranoid. Yeah. Like kids were do they thought all the pot smoke and the teenagers were doing crazy things and they were taking their marijuana pills exactly smoking their cocaine drugs so maybe they felt it was safer to not help her yeah but still dick move yeah um so then she starts running over to the Doyle house and she's limping she's hurt yeah she's hurt I, I would if I fell down a f- well not even fell down a flight of stairs no like, she she just fell she skipped the stairs <laughs> she was like express elevator to the floor please yeah. So this is where we get the keys. Oh, the keys, uh-huh. <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, so she tries to wake up Tommy. She's yelling and screaming. Okay, this is where my question comes in about the horn honking earlier. Okay, she somehow wakes up Tommy inside the house, and they couldn't hear the horn honking earlier. It was in the garage. Okay. The Wallaces are into some weird shit and okay. they soundproof the garage. Gotcha. Because <laughs> she manages to wake up Tommy by just like banging on the door. No. She throws a fucking potted plant at his window. Maybe I missed that part. Yeah. She, she? she picks up a potted plant like a terracotta. <laughs> like, and just hauls it? Yeah. I must have been writing while that happened and I forgot about it. No, she like granny style chucks it up at the window. <laughs> And he comes to the window, he's like, what? Yeah. Why are you throwing plants at my window? Yeah. But she tells him to come let her in. And she gets in just in time. Yeah. And he then can- she is in like action mode. She is. She's like. There, there's no like time to think. She knows what she's going to do. Yeah. She locks the door and she tells Tommy, now you take Lindsay, you go upstairs, you lock yourself. What was it, in the bathroom? I don't remember. Um, But she gives very explicit instructions. Mm-hmm. She goes in the living room. She's like, I'm going to call the cops. Yep. But phone's the phone's dead. And then she discovers the window's open. <gasps> oh, no. We know for a fact that window wasn't open earlier. No. Now we have to say, oh, no, a bunch again. Oh, no. <laughs> so she goes, she sits down in front of the couch on the floor. Which I, is, I think at this point, she's just done. I think so. But she does something smart. She gets into her knitting <laughs> kit. You, yeah. you knew there had to be a reason for the knitting kit. Yeah. Is that what you call it? A knitting kit? I, I think it's just a knitting bag. A knitting hobby sack. But she pulls out a knitl- knitting needle. And it's a good one. It's thick. Yeah. That's a thickums. It is. So the shape jumps up. And is like, surprise, I'm behind the couch. And Lori's not having it. No. He takes another swipe at her with a knife. Yeah. And he misses. Yeah. And he stabs the couch cushion. She doesn't miss. She doesn't miss. She hits him right in the neck. Right in the jugular. Ugh. With the knitting needle. Yeah. And he just drops. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm done too. Yeah. And then she picks up the knife and just kind of looks at it for a second and is like, I don't want this. Yeah. And then she just drops it on the ground. Yeah. She just deposits the knife on the floor like, "Mm, no. If you have the weapon, don't let the weapon go. No. Like maybe just go stab him in the face a few times. Yeah. 
or try to unmask him. They always do that in horror movies. Ooh. Like, I want to see him without his mask on. No. Just, that's Scooby-Doo. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids banging in other people's beds. Loomis is just outside walking around casually. <laughs> He's got one hand in his pocket and the other one's holding a revolver. Yeah. And Brackett shows up and he's like, dude, I found the car. You go around the back of the houses. I'm going to go around the front. He tells the sheriff how to patrol. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense for the guy on foot to go around the back of the houses? Yeah. And the car to remain on the street? Well, how are you going around the back of the houses is my question. Maybe it's like alleyways, like in between houses. Like That neighborhood looks way too nice to have just have random alleyways behind everybody's house. Well, but that way they don't have to set their garbage cans out front. Oh. You know, like Hank Hill. Yeah. They can hang out in the alley and drink Alamo beer. So Lori, we cut back to Lori. She goes upstairs to get the kids and she's like, hey, you know what? I killed the shape. She thinks Michael's dead. Yeah. And Tommy's like, uh, no, bitch. No, she also calls them her babies. Yes. Oh, babies. Yeah. Yeah. It. She has attachment issues. Lori's got some things going on. Yeah. Um, well, she's a latchkey kid. Oh, that's true. And it was the 70s. And her dad's a terrible actor, so. I know. If my dad dressed like that and mm-hmm. couldn't act, and then I had to come home to my James Ensor poster all alone, <laughs> I'd be a little fucked up, too. So Lori's like, I killed him. And Tommy's like, no, you didn't because you can't kill the boogeyman. And then boom, here comes Michael. That's my cue. The shape is like, hey, by the way, yeah, you can't kill me. Mm-hmm. And she throws him back in the room, locks the door, and then pulls a super smart move, runs into the master bedroom, opens the door to the balcony, and then goes and hides in the closet. Genius. And she's listened to two true crime podcasts. Yeah. Annie needed to get with the shit. Yeah. Lori knows what's going on. So, and it actually works. The shape walks in the room and he's like, oh my gosh, she went out on the balcony. She's taken a lot of falls tonight. And he looks and he's like, no, she didn't go out on the balcony. Where is she? And he comes over. He's like, maybe I'll check this closet. But she has belted the closet door shut. And he's like, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) So he breaks through the closet door and it's awesome. It does take him quite a while to break through that flimsy door, though. It's hard. It looked like it was made of balsa wood. Well, and he's been awake for a long time. Oh, that's true. So, you know, he's coming down off a couple of big adrenaline dumps. Well, and all he's had to eat is dog. Yeah. And he had a raging boner earlier. Yeah. So he's busting through the he's busting through the closet door and he is going ape shit. Yeah. Like he's grabbing at the light bulb. He's like, oh, my God, I just want to kill this girl. He turns the light on, which is helpful. Yeah. And then he's just slashing about. Yeah. And then Lori, while he's freaking out. She's like, I'm going to straighten out this clothes hanger and I'm going to take care of this guy. And she stabs him in the eye. Yeah. And then he drops his knife and, you know, he's like rubbing his eye like, wow, that hurt. Yeah, Because I imagine it does. And his body language there to me has always been like, ow. Why'd you do that? Quit it. <laughs> like his feelings are hurt. Yeah. And, you know, he's rubbing his eyes like a little kid that just got done having a tantrum. Yeah. And he drops the knife right in front of her. She grabs the knife and stabs him directly in the solar plexus. Mm-hmm. So Michael goes down and Lori's like, I'm going to exit the closet and go lean against a doorway. Yeah, because now she thinks Michael's dead. 
again. Yeah. So. And of course she drops the knife. Yeah. Why would you want that? No. I'm going to go lean against this door jam. With my back to him. Mm-hmm. So she does. The kids come out and she's like, hey, you know what? Go down the street to the McKenzie's. Call the cops because this phone doesn't work. And then the shape sits up. Oh. And he does it using absolutely nothing but pure ab muscle. I, I don't know how he did this. And it was beautiful. Yes. And then as he's like just finishing sitting up, his head slowly turns towards Lori and he's like, look at that. Her back is to me. Yeah. How convenient is this? Like it's unnatural, which makes it more creepy. Yeah. And that's all just Nick Castle being Nick mm-hmm. Castle. The kids go running and screaming, and Loomis is like, whoa, those kids are running and screaming. I should go in that house. Something doesn't seem right. So he goes in the house. He comes up the stairs just in time to see the shape strangling Lori. Lori peels his mask off, and you can see that eye is messed up. Oh, yeah. It's It's, all swollen. It's swollen and angry. Yeah. His neck seems fine. Yeah. That knitting needle didn't do anything. No. Maybe don't use a knitting needle as a weapon and just stab people in the eyes with coat hangers. Mm Mm-hmm. Seems more effective. Yeah. He just gets his mask back on. He's like, oh, good. I'm the shape again. I hate being Michael. And Loomis unloads six shots on him. And he's not just unloading on him. He's like walking towards him. And every time the shape gets hit, he's like backing up like, ow, dude. Ow, dude. He doesn't like getting shot. It's unpleasant. Mm -hmm. So the shape's backing up, backing up, backing up. And then he falls off the balcony. Because Lori had opened the door. Yeah. And then he falls onto the ground. And it's a really sickening thud. Mm-hmm. Like, that sound effect was good. Um, so Loomis turns around and Lori's like, it was the boogeyman? Mm-hmm. And Loomis confirms that it was. It was. So then Loomis goes and he looks off the balcony again. He's like, okay, the girl's okay. And the shape is gone. Oh, no. But there is a really nice imprint of him in the ground, like a Wile E. Coyote cartoon. And then the theme plays. And we start seeing flashes of all the places where Michael's been earlier in the movie. And we just hear him breathing through the mask over top of all of it. I also noticed or noted that when Loomis is looking out at the balcony for Michael, when he sees that he's not on the ground, he doesn't scour the ground no he looks to the sky yes well you know what i think it was i think he was like oh my god did he transcend i I think he thought michael flew away he was like he is evil he sprouted his demon wings and and flew and he i think he was looking for his silhouette against the moon maybe he was like is this like a batman situation yes but yes then we cut to not, not even cut. The, the theme comes over, mm-hmm. and it's just random shots where... It was essentially establishing shots from earlier in the movie yeah. of all the scenes, and you just hear the breathing through the mask again. And... Fiend. Then Halloween. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And that's the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. And so, now we'll move into the body count. We have seven dead. Two dogs, five people. Judith Myers was killed with multiple stab wounds. Truck guy, we'll call him. Mechanic. Yeah, I'd say he's a mechanic. I'm unsure about what happened, but he had a bloody chest. It's bloody. 
But what did Michael say? Michael didn't have anything to stab him with. Maybe he stabbed him with like a screwdriver. Maybe. See, I want to see that too. Mm-hmm. I want to see Michael craft his Halloween costume. And I want to see... <laughs> I want to see him pull over on the side of the road to this truck that was just parked by the railroad tracks. Like, what was that? Did that guy just like get out to pee or something? I don't know. Maybe he got out to use the phone because the phone was right there. Oh, yeah. And Michael's like, look at those overalls. Yeah, that's so much better than my gown. Well, then Michael killed a dog and ate it. Um, We're not sure how he did it, but he ate it. Yeah. Then he strangled Lester the dog. Boo. Then he slit Annie's throat after strangling her. Yes. Then he stabbed Bob in the midsection. Almost the solar plexus as well. Yeah. Um, After strangling him. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he strangled Linda to death. He likes to choke things. Which, he's a sexual sadist. Oh. What are your reactions after watching the movie critically? No rating. No rating. No rating, just reactions. Um, Like I said before, um, Lori's just kind of ruined for me now. She has a lot of weird moments. I don't think we discussed the one where she says, what is it, the... The babysitter, or no, the old Girl Scout back at it. (laughs) Old Girl Scout comes through again. Yes, that's it. Yeah, I don't know what that was. After they picked her, she dropped off Lindsay, and she was in charge of Lindsay now. And then she throws the towel over her shoulder. Yes, like like she's she's Woody Harrelson. (laughs) I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Um, But overall, I mean, it's still an amazing movie. It holds up. Yes. It's definitely like, this is one of the first movies that you can show people to be like, you should watch horror movies. Yes. I really like the psychology of the movie, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with Michael's white mask. It's just, he's like a blank slate of evil. You can attach anything to that that you want. And like the dark blue plain overalls, like it just works. Mm -hmm. Like there's just nothing there. Mm -hmm. So you can put whatever you want onto it. There's no identifying markers. And the score. Oh. The score to this movie, all the little sting sounds. Yes. Um, Michael's stalking theme. Mm-hmm. Like when he's just like, I'm going to look through the window. Yeah. I think the sting sounds are what make it. Oh, like, yeah. They just, they're, they send a chill up your spine. Yeah. Fun fact about the movie was when they were first showing it to distributors, they didn't have the music done. Mm-hmm. And... They didn't think it was scary. They were like, this is stupid. They showed it to the same people later. And they were like, yes, we will distribute this movie. This is the most <laughs> terrifying thing I've ever seen. What did you do? And they're like, we added music. We, we put music in it. Okay, so some fun production facts. Uh, the original title of this movie was The Babysitter Murders. Halloween's better. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick Castle, who played The Shape for... Most of the movie, like a lot of different people played the shape, but he was not an actor. He was just a friend of uh, John Carpenter's from film school. They were in a band together and he wanted to hang out on the set. And Carpenter was like, you're going to work. You're not going to just hang out on the set. I'm sorry if you can hear our dog licking. (laughs) He has allergies and he's licking his paws. So they paid him twenty five dollars a day. And every once in a while, they would just throw the costume at him and be like, walk down the stairs. <laughs> hey, I would walk down the stairs for $25 in 1978. Yeah. 
Um, so Michael Myers was actually the name of a guy in London who got Carpenter's movie Assault on Precinct 13 into the London Film Festival, oh. where it won. That's a nice homage. Yeah. I named a ser- serial killer after you. Yeah. It's so sweet. Erwin um, Yablins, who distributed Assault on Precinct 13, was actually the one who came up with the idea for Halloween. Oh. And he was like... What's terrifying? Babysitters getting stalked. And yeah. He's like, let's set it on Halloween because that's a creepy day. Mm-hmm. And he approached John Carpenter and he was like, okay, here's what I want. I want $10,000 and I want my name above the title. That's bold. Yeah. And Irwin was like, okay. So he and Deborah Hill wrote the script in 10 days. And Deborah Hill wrote the original pass. And it was all just like she wrote the kills and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then essentially the whole character of Loomis was written by John Carpenter, which I think is why there's such a different tone. That would make sense. Like he wrote all the Loomis scenes. Yeah. And so that's where you get the the melodramatic like over the top. Yes. Um, this was actually Carpenter's first horror movie. He had no interest in making a horror film. Um, do do ba do. Script was written in ten. The days. actors all wore their own clothes. Yes. And Jamie Lee Curtis went to J.C. Penney and spent under a hundred dollars for her entire for, wardrobe. For her entire wardrobe. Jamie Lee Curtis was paid eight thousand dollars for this role. Donald Pleasance was paid twenty five thousand dollars for his role and was only on set for like three days. I think it was only two, wasn't it? Maybe it was two. Um, he got in an argument with John Carpenter, and this was like an Oscar-nominated actor, and John Carpenter, 26-year-old ace rookie filmmaker, was like, shut up, do the scene the way I wrote it. And apparently he was drunk. Yes, very drunk. Donald Pleasance was drunk every time he was on film. the, The first scene he filmed was actually the first scene he was in, in the car. And they said he was two bottles of wine deep. Yes, and they were worried he wasn't going to be able to talk. But as soon as they said action... He was like, guess what? I'm Loomis. Yeah. So props to him. Out of the $300,000 budget, $70,000 was spent on camera equipment. Because this was only the second movie ever made using the Panaglide Steadicam. Ooh. And without the Steadicam, this movie would have sucked. Yeah. Um, the mask was a William Shatner mask from Star Trek, so Captain Kirk mask. Mm-hmm. They widened the eye holes, they spray painted it white, they colored the hair darker and slicked it back, and... And you have Michael. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. Like a $2 mask that they spray painted. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Hill's hand was the hand that grabbed the knife and killed Judith. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace actually was the art director. So anytime Michael had to bust through something, it was him. Oh, really? Because he was like, you know, if Nick screws this up, I don't want John going off on him. Yeah. And he was like, I'm the head of the art department. I'll break the door. Yeah. We only have one shot at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the closet door scene, that was Tommy Lee Wallace breaking through. And he actually did break that light. Oh, no. Yeah. It's tragic. Let's see. What else? 
Um, because it was shot out of sequence, John Carpenter created a fear meter for Jamie Lee Curtis so that she would know what level of terror to be at, which I think is awesome. Yeah. He's like, I need you at a seven right now. Yeah. So this was actually filmed in the springtime in Southern California. Yeah. Not in the Midwest. No, hence the, the outdoor laundry room. Yes. And they actually had to spray paint leaves, <laughs> fresh leaves off of trees to look like fall leaves. Yeah. And then after they would film a scene, the entire cast and crew would have to go would gather them. them all up and put them in garbage bags <laughs> so they could use them again. There were only three pumpkins in the entire movie. Really? Um, because pumpkins are really hard to come by in Southern California. In the springtime. In the springtime. That makes sense. So they found a South American gourd <laughs> that kind of looked like a pumpkin. Oh. But it was like a deep forest green. Yeah. And they spray painted them orange. Oh, that's why they look kind of funky. Huh? Yeah. Because they just aren't your normal pumpkin. No. Um, the Myers house, um, what we see later in the movie, Jet, quit scratching. He really wants to be on the podcast. It was that dilapidated when they came to it and they fixed it up just enough to film what ended up being the opening scene. Mm -hmm. They painted the areas that they knew that were going to be on film. They put some furniture in there. They tacked up that eave spout that broke the window. Yeah. They replaced some glass. Edit. Edit. <laughs> So the house was in complete disrepair, and later that house ended up selling for one dollar because they were the city was just going to tear it down. Oh, really? And the owner actually moved it across the street from where the hard hardware store was. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, it is. The house is now a registered California landmark, and you can go tour it. Oh, do they have the inside? set up so that it looks the same i mean did they do interior shots there or was it they did do some interior shots um but unfortunately the inside of the house doesn't really look like the myers house okay. they just... so it's just cool to like get pictures on the porch yeah but it's a it's like a light blue now and like that weird scroll work at the top of mm -hmm. the porch is like a maroon weird yeah it's odd Okay, so now we're going to go into some... Oh, wait, I have one more. Oh. Did you know that the stabbing sound effect is them just stabbing into a watermelon? I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Okay, so we're going to move on to some goofs. This movie had a lot of goofs. Um, This little section of the podcast episode could go on for about 20 minutes. Yes, but also if you read on IMDb, if you go through the goofs, there are so many bad ones. Yeah. That aren't goofs, that are just people being stupid. Yeah. So I'm just going to put down the ones that I have noticed yeah. when I'm watching the movie. There are wires, like a huge wire bundle going through the front window of the Myers house in the first scene. The wrench taped to the shape's hand. And the shape had the mask like way before he broke into the hardware store. Yes. Like, like seven hours before. Yeah. So that was weird. Um, you can see palm trees in the background of two scenes, mm -hmm. which is funny because they don't have those in Illinois. We have palm trees here in Iowa. Well, that's true. Um, there are mountains in the background when Loomis is on the phone with the Haddonfield Sheriff's Office. Yes. We have lots of mountains in the Midwest. Yes. The, the Midwest is a mountainous place. When the shape is stalking Tommy and driving the car, the passenger side window is not smashed. So, Michael, 
He went Oh, better get Mako. Hey, maybe that's where he got the coveralls. Maybe that guy was fixing his window for oh, him. Oh, that could be. Um, you can see John Carpenter's cigarette smoke creep into the frame once. I've heard that it's twice, but I've only seen once. Mm. The scene where Annie is taunting Lori standing by the hedge. You can see his cigarette smoke waft into frame. That's kind of cool, though. The plant that the shape knocks down is back up when Lori comes back to the Wallace house. The Doyle house doorknob is on the wrong side. If you're inside the house, it's on the right side. If you're outside the house, it's on the right side. Oh. That's not possible. It's not. So... Oh, and Linda trips over the camera dolly tracks when she and Bob are getting ready to head upstairs to bang it out. Oh, no. (laughs) It's very, it's funny because you can see her like nervous that she's going to trip on it Uh because she keeps kind of looking down and then she like stumbles and almost falls on her face. I just figured she'd been drinking and was wearing those big clogs. Totally. Totally. Okay. So final thoughts on the movie. Give me your ranking out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. I am going to have to very much agree with yeah. you on that. Um, it does have its faults. But but everything does. I, I don't like to admit that this movie has its faults, but it has its faults. But that's part of what makes it endearing, too, is that it... <laughs> Sorry, our dog's flopping his ears now. Is that it was such a small budget, but what they did with that small budget was amazing. Yeah. So, 10 out of 10, aggregate score from Franchise Frights Podcast. Yeah. It could be also be a 20 out of 20. No, aggregate score. You just divide. Okay. <laughs> okay, so closing, you need to tune in tomorrow because, yeah, we're giving you another episode tomorrow if you're listening to this as they come out. That's true. What movie are we covering tomorrow? Friday the 13th. Oh, boy. It's not good. It's not good at all. But it's fantastic. I'll, I'll have many comments to make about this movie. And if you would like to visit us on the social medias, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash franchise frights pod on Instagram at franchise frights pod on Twitter X, whatever at F frights pod and on Snapchat at F frights pod. So check us out. Check us out, yo. Yeah, we're on all the socials. Yeah, except TikTok because I'm scared of it. Yeah. So scared of TikTok. People can't see our faces. No. I've got a face for radio. Yeah. And uh, until tomorrow, remember, they They always always come come back. back.